Future City is made possible by McCormick and Company. Through its Flavor for Life program, McCormick helps teach kids and families in Baltimore how to replace salt, sugar, and fat. More information can be found at McCormickCorporation.com. Hello, I'm Charles Robinson. Welcome to Future City, the monthly show here on WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. The idea for Future City came from a desire to look at Baltimore, not just for its problems, but for its potential. The creators of this show made a conscious decision to talk about issues and those who were trying to create a new paradigm. On this show, you'll hear from the original host, Wes Moore. Moore is a best-selling author and had been running the Robin Hood Foundation. During his four-year tenure at the philanthropic organization, he improved the group's profile, raising some $230 million during a global pandemic and was asked to host Future City. Co-founder and board member of the Robin Hood Foundation, Paul Tudor Jones, and recognizing Moore's contribution said, quote, we are bigger and stronger than we have ever been, but families are facing unprecedented challenges. We are grateful for Wes's leadership and we must use the momentum he has created in his work to find the right leader to take us forward. Moore made a consequential decision. You'll hear about why he decided to run for governor of Maryland. Also, you'll hear his speech from election night and those who look at what's in store, what it will mean for Maryland. I'm delighted to be joined by the original host of Future City, none other than Governor-elect Wes Moore. First of all, Wes, thank you for coming on the show that you started. <laughs> I got to tell you, I am I am smiling from ear to ear being on the show with you. And I'm so thankful for you because we might have started it, but you have taken this thing to a whole new level. And uh, and so I'm glad to be I'm glad to be back on the show. The 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 bigger and better than ever Future City. <laughs> well, let's let's start with when they came to approach you about Future City. How did they describe it to you? You know, I think the, the thing that they wanted to uh, think about is you know, what are the things that are happening uh, around that we should be paying attention to? Because oftentimes, you know, I feel like the conversation uh, with Baltimore, oftentimes it, it, del- it consistently delves into the what's wrong, right? And, and the idea behind it and, and how you've continued to push it out is saying, it's not saying what's wrong, it's what's next, like, how do we move on to the next level? How do we go to the next phase? How do we how do we shape the next era? And one thing that I've always tried to do in my career is I am a I'm a, a best practice hound. Like I'm searching for best practices anywhere they are, wherever they are, no matter who came up with the idea. I want to know what the best practices are. And then how do we then incorporate that? And so the whole concept behind it was really exactly that. It was how do we understand what are the challenges that our city, that our region, that our state are facing, and then who are doing some innovative things, uh, both in the state, but that they need to be scaled or outside of the state that we need to pay attention to and figure out ways of how do we incorporate that 
into our larger work, into our larger ethos. And so that was really the, the idea and the thesis behind it. Uh, and I'm really, and I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm thankful because it's how I've always led. It's how I've always tried to tackle challenges. And then to have the opportunity to, you know, really create a, a media mechanism around it uh, became really exciting. I note that, you know, at the time you were doing Robin Hood Foundation as well, and and give people a sense of part of its mission, how that mission translated into Future City. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, so Robin Hood. Uh, it is now it's now a thirty four year old organization, uh, but but it really started with the premise and with the initial idea of saying, how do we identify the things that are actually working to address the issue of poverty? It is exclusively focused on poverty. Uh, how are we creating economic mobility for people? And so, you know, what initially started off as, as a, you know, as an organization that was making, you know, $40,000 in grants annually, uh, it is now an organization that, uh, you know, in, if you include, also if you include my time as CEO, you know, we have, uh, we've allocated over $2 billion uh, and, and really putting them towards best practices, best ideas on everything from early childhood to K-12 education, to job reskilling and job retraining, to criminal justice reform, and uh, to environmental health. And one of the big things that we incorporated when I became the CEO was we created a policy wing. Because the thesis behind that was, I don't know how you can talk about ending poverty if you do not also tackle one of the main mechanisms why we have the level of poverty that we have in our society, which are policies, right? When, when, so when people would tell me, well, people in poverty, uh, you know, that, that there's, a, there's a reason they should just work harder, you know, the answer is, well, how hard would they have to work when there are actually systems, uh, policies that are both putting people and keeping people in poverty? And so how are we working across sectors with the nonprofit uh, community, with, the, with philanthropy, with the private sector, with government, to be able to create policies, mechanisms, best practices, and scalable ideas that are actually that give people the ability to move out of poverty permanently. And so that was the work that we did. And I think one of the great things about Future City was it really gave a platform to be able to talk about some of those things that were actually working and saying, why can't we scale them? And why can't we scale them here in Baltimore and also, you know, in the in the Baltimore region? I want to kind of shift a little bit because at some point, people began to come to you and say, hey, why don't you consider running for governor? I know your wife and I can, I can tell you she more than likely said, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I think so much of this stuff, uh, it really did come down to understanding the way we're actually going to address these challenges. Where, where, you know, I, I think about the work that I did and prior to prior to running for running for governor, you know, I led soldiers in combat. I, I led a, a small business that was focusing on helping first generation students go to and through college. I, uh, I led one of the largest poverty fighting organizations in this country. And one of the big takeaways from all that was all that work was good and all that was important and all that was able to impact the lives directly that you were impacting. But if we are not fixing the structures that continue to allow people to fall between the cracks, then we will repeatedly find ourselves cleaning up the debris that comes from broken systems. And, and I remember, uh, you know, I remember having a conversation with one of my colleagues over Robin, who was actually talking about the child tax credit 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very big on the idea that uh, how we can use the child tax credit more smartly, where if you can make it fully refundable, if you can pay it out monthly instead of annually, uh, that you can actually have a distinct and a significant impact on the level of child poverty that we have in our society. But, but until those adjustments uh, were made, we literally had a child tax credit that was leaving 27 million children in poverty because they were too deep into poverty, which makes no sense. You have a poverty fighting tool that's leaving millions of children in poverty because they are too deep into poverty. And uh, and I remember we were working with uh, with the town former governor on this issue about how a state could actually make adjustments to this and uh, literally wrote a line in that, that he could use in the state of the state to be able to talk about this issue and address the issue of child poverty. And uh, and it was not included, wasn't even mentioned inside of the state of the state. So I'm upset. And I called up one of my colleagues who actually ran our, ran our policy unit. And he said to me, he's like, you know, we worked for six months to get them to include a sentence in the speech. And he said, but what if you could write the whole speech? And that's the point. If we can actually address the policies that are continuing to make our nonprofit organizations so necessary, if we can address the policies that continue to make the corporate social responsibility, the CSR wings of the private sector so necessary, if we can address the fact that we have community members who every single day are taking their own future in their own hands because there are people who continue to fall between the cracks, then we will create, if we can do that, then we're actually creating a society that we can have people who have a level of participation in our growth. When I actually first said, you know what, I think I wanna run for governor. Uh, to be able to address these issues. Uh, that was really the motivation behind it all. One of your themes has been leave no one behind. I think those who are familiar with the military know that is one of the key elements in in serving, that you make sure that everybody comes home with you. Walk me through that idea, if you will. That's right. And I, I did. I, I first learned about it and heard about it when I was 17. Uh, when I first joined the army, uh, I was 17 years old. I, I literally wasn't even old enough to sign the paperwork. My mom signed the paperwork for me. Uh, but as you, as you know, Charles, uh, after my teenage years, my mother would sign whatever paperwork that they put in front of her to sign me up. And, uh, and they taught us that in our first days of, of, of military training. Um, this was a mantra. They asked each and every one of us to follow and live by. Uh, and it was leave no one behind ever that if you get one of my people, I will send a battalion and go get them if I have to. That every single mission wasn't just evaluated on how fast we finished, but it was did all of us finish. And that didn't just become a mantra, it really became a value statement for me. And, uh, and come January, that will be the new mission of the state of Maryland, where we are going to be a state that leaves no one behind. And, and, and I think about it where, when we think about the policies that we are gonna to push together, where we have to have economic growth. We have to make sure that our businesses are gonna be competitive. We have to make sure that we are hiring. We have to make sure that we are going to be the state that is gonna be the home of innovation and the home of entrepreneurship. And we know how to get this done, but we cannot do it if we continue to have large swaths of our population that are not even part of the conversation. They're not even being thought about in the conversation because if we continue to watch those disparities exist, we're not going to be able to grow as a state. And I don't and I don't just mean that because it sounds good. I mean that because it's math. You cannot have the level of disparities that exist, that still consistently exist in our state 
and think that our state is going to thrive. We have to make sure that our economics are participatory and that our growth is going to be something that everyone can feel and understand and cheer for and not just some. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the governor-elect of the state of Maryland, Wes Moore. He is the former host of this show, Future City. Wes, I will tell you that it is always a pleasure to interact with you, and it is always a pleasure to hear your thoughts. I'll just tell you, I only added one new thing to the show, and that is the final thought, as well as our signature line now is, may your dreams of tomorrow become a reality, and Mm. you are today's reality. I am so honored to be with you, uh, the the host of the new and improved Future City. <laughs> and I'm Thank excited you, to come back anytime you'll have me. Thank you, Wes Moore, for the conversation. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City here on 88.1 WYPR. We have to take a brief break, but don't you go anywhere. When we come back, you'll hear from the governing-elect, on election night. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City, the monthly show here on 88.1 WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. On today's show, we're hearing from Maryland Governor-elect Wes Moore. Moore made history on election night. He becomes the first African-American governor ever elected to lead the state. There were also a number of firsts that night. Aruna Miller becomes the first Southeast Asian to be lieutenant governor. Brooke Learman becomes the first woman to lead the comptroller's office. And Anthony Brown becomes the first African-American to lead the Attorney General's office. Let's hear from Governor-elect Wes Moore on the historic win. Thank you, Maryland! Oh, we love y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Marilyn, thank you. What an amazing night and what an improbable journey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I've, uh, I'm, uh, I'm thankful I just had a chance to speak with, uh, with Governor Hogan, who, uh, who, who shared his congratulations, and I want to thank him for his, uh, for his truly kind and compassionate call. So thank you, Governor Hogan, for your call. And, and, I, and I, first, I first want to start by all of you who are, who are making tonight happen. The, the wait staff, the hotel staff, the security, our, uh, our remarkable DJ Tons for keeping us going. And I also want to take a moment to thank all of you who made tonight happen. All right. The volunteers, the super volunteers, the ones who went and knocked on doors, you text banked, you put signs in your yards, you put signs in your neighbor's yards. 
even if they didn't ask for it. But you all worked. You worked and you took this election personally. Personally. And I am so grateful because you believed. You believed at a time when sometimes believing isn't easy. When our days are dominated by cynicism and mistrust. At a time when those of you and frankly those of us who hope to be part of the solution are often told to wait our turn. Right? But you believed. You believed that in this moment our state could be bolder. You believe that in this moment our state could go faster. You believe that in this moment our state would not wait its turn. And you believed in the son of an immigrant. A graduate of a two-year college. A U.S. Army combat veteran. And a nonprofit leader who had never run for office before. And it's because you believed that I stand here humbled and ready to become the 63rd governor of the state of Maryland. It was your support, it was your sense of purpose that carried us across this state, all 24 jurisdictions from the western mountains to the eastern shore, from, uh, from my birthplace of Montgomery County to my adoptive, from my birthplace of Montgomery County to my adoptive home of Baltimore City. Hey, Baltimore. <laughs> and everywhere in between. I love you back. I love you back. And you know, and the thing is, when I look across this room tonight, what we see right here is we see Maryland, right? We see people from all backgrounds, from all walks of life, from all income levels. We see teachers. We see small business owners. We see nurses. We see union members. All of you who lent your voices and also gave your votes to this campaign. And who said the same thing. Who all said with a collective voice that our time is now. And what we're seeing today is that in Maryland, we can come together. You know, you know I was telling somebody, you, you know a question I never once asked my soldiers? What's your political party?
It never got brought up. That's right. We had one mission. And Maryland, you showed tonight that if we stand divided, we cannot win. But if we stand united, we cannot lose. In our Maryland, you will feel safe in your own neighborhoods and you will feel safe in your own skin. That we will protect abortion rights and access. And we will empower women to make decisions about their own reproductive health. The decision to get an abortion is difficult. And that decision should be made between a woman and her doctor. That we will build a world-class education system starting, starting with free pre-K for every single child in need in the state of Maryland. And we will invest in apprenticeship programs and trade programs so that every Marylander, every young person, knows that there is a pathway to their long-term economic viability and long-term economic success. We will be the first state in this country to offer a service year option to every single high school graduate. Because if we build a true spirit of service in our state, it is service that will help to save us. Our Maryland will be more competitive and more equitable. And we are not going to choose between those two things. We can and we will do both. And we will make this state a true hub of innovation and economic growth a place where small businesses can thrive, a place where small businesses can thrive, but also labor unions are strong. And we're not going to choose. A place where people want to come to and build and grow and retire and age in place and age in dignity. Um, Last week, my, my grandmother passed away. My grandmother passed away at age 95. Her name was Winnell Thomas. But we all affectionately called her Mama Wynn. And I couldn't think of a more appropriate name tonight than Mama Wynn. And I know that despite us losing her last week, that tonight, she's got the best seat in the house. Ella nació en Cuba. She was born in Cuba. She immigrated to this country from Jamaica. And she taught public schools for nearly 40 years.
she came here to build a life. But she ended up building a legacy. She also helped take care of me and my family after my father died because he didn't get the health care that he needed. My father could have been saved, but he was left behind. So you see, this is personal to me. I have seen how a society with broken policies can leave its people broken too. Leave no one behind is not just a slogan. It is a value statement. And it is a value that will guide me as your next governor. Our administration will fight every single day for every single Marylander and make sure they have a chance to succeed and this is our time to do it and to make it happen. But before I do close, I just do, I do want to take a moment just to speak about history. You know, uh, this state is blessed because we've had a lot of firsts tonight. Aruna Miller, the first immigrant and the first woman of color in the state's history to serve as lieutenant governor. Brooke Learman, our first female comptroller. Anthony Brown, our first black attorney general. And uh, soon come, soon come. And it is, uh, and it's not lost on me that I've made a little history tonight myself as well. But, but, I also know that I wasn't the first one to try. This is just more proof that progress is not inevitable, but progress is possible in the state of Maryland. And I am truly humbled to be part of this legacy. But Arun and me, that's not why we got into this race. The history that matters most to us is the history that we and the people of this state are going to make together over the next four years. Now we know these, these, these results are still rolling in, right? But it is clear, y'all gave us a mandate. And that mandate is for a vision for a healthier and a wealthier Maryland. And something else is very clear too. True patriotism is alive and well in Maryland and it is alive and well in the United States of America too. I, gr 
I grew up in a family of people who loved this country even when the country didn't always love them back. And my entire life has taught me that patriotism does not mean waving a flag around. It doesn't mean telling our neighbors that we're better than them. Patriotism isn't a boast. It isn't self-righteous. You cannot love your country if you hate half of the people in it. Real patriotism, real patriotism means bringing people together. It means lifting people up. It means improving each other's lives. Patriotism means knowing that this country is great, but if we work together, we are going to make it even greater because more people will benefit from that. So, tonight, tonight, because of y'all, a message has been sent. So tonight, we celebrate. But tomorrow, we get to work. Thank you, Marilyn. God bless y'all. It is our time. We will get this done. God bless you all, and thank you so much. Thank you. Now, let's hear from Aruna Miller, the new Lieutenant Governor of the State of Maryland. It was October 28, 2021. My husband and I met him. We walked away from that conversation. We looked at each other and we said, Wes Moore is going to be the next Governor of Maryland. Now, what I could not have predicted that day was that exactly one year later, on October 28, 2022, that I would have the privilege of not just voting for Wes Moore, but I would be his running mate. So good evening, Marilyn. My name is Aruna Miller, and I am humbled to be your next Lieutenant Governor. Along with my friend Westmore as the next Governor of Maryland. Look, it's not lost on me the profoundness of this moment, being elected as the first immigrant to a statewide office in Maryland. And make no mistake, I know that as an immigrant, I would not be standing here before you if it were not for the courage of those before me who fought for our nation, our freedom, and our democracy. I also know that I wouldn't have the privilege of being an American if it were not for the black activists who struggled and fought for our civil rights. The 1964 Civil Rights Act led directly to the Immigration Act of 1965, which took down racial quotas and allowed a whole new generation of immigrants 
to come to the United States, including my family and me. And I will never forget that first day when I came to this country. It was February 1972. I was seven years old. I'm in my dad's arms as we step off the airplane. And I look into the airport, which looked much like this room today with a sea of individuals. And I thought, holy moly, I love this country. Look at all these people waiting for my dad and I to arrive to this country. And I got really excited when I thought they were throwing confetti. Turned out it wasn't confetti, it was snow. And I'd never seen snow in my entire life. But you know what? I have never, ever stopped being excited about the great promise of America. And I will never stop fighting to make sure that promise is available to everyone. And this promise begins with a commitment to deliver a Maryland where we leave no one behind. From Western Maryland to Southern Maryland, from Charm City to Pocomo City to Ocean City, from gorgeous Prince George's to Mountain Maryland. A Maryland where we will leave no one behind. A Maryland where people can feel safe in their communities and their skin. A Maryland where we show the nation that our rights are not up for grabs. And a Maryland that reflects the diversity of our state. Because diversity doesn't look like any of us. It looks like every one of us. Look, when Wes Moore and I started this journey, we were polling at 1%. Turns out, a lot can change in a year. <laughs> so the moral of this story is, never, ever underestimate the underdog. And you know what? The underdogs will always look out for the underdogs. We see you, we hear you, we believe in you, and we're going to fight for you. For everyone who stood by us from 1% to the brilliant end, thank you. You believed in us, you never doubted what we can do together, so thank you. Thank you to the voters, giving Westmore and me the great privilege of being your next governor and lieutenant governor. Thank you to the endorsers. We know it's not easy when you have so many talented candidates running, but thank you for coming and supporting us. Thank you to every candidate for taking the courage to run and for your desire to serve the people of Maryland. To the campaign team, thank you for your tireless work, the countless hours and endless positivity you provided. You make hard look easy. To the volunteers, for the calls you made, the texts that you sent, the doors you knocked, the rallies you screamed at, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> 
for the signs you wave. Thank you for all of that. You poured your heart and soul into it, and we will never, ever forget that. We love you. I love you, too. To the donors, thank you for your generosity and your investment in Maryland's future. To my friends, and there are so many of you, and I would do injustice if I were even to leave out one of you off this list. But you know who you are, so thank you to each of you for believing in me and never giving up on me. For my big sister and my big brother, you were the best part of my good old days. And thank you for expanding my family uh, with your families. Mom. You and Daddy risked everything so you can make anything possible for your kids. I love you, and I hope you and Daddy are proud of me. To my three beautiful daughters, the greatest privilege of my life has been to be your mother. Nina, you're my old soul. You're always the calm in every storm, and you're my favorite public school teacher. <laughs> Chloe, you're the life of the party, and you're my kindred spirit. As the song says, you can take a nothing day and suddenly make it all seem worthwhile. I love you. Sasha, my little one. When you were growing up and you were about four years old, you told me, Mommy, when I grow up, I want to marry you. <laughs> Honey, I've loved you from the moment you were born, and I'm going to love you every step of the way. And I just adore you, my Cinderella. <laughs> Dave, my husband and my college sweetheart, you stole my heart over 30 years ago and you still haven't given it back. Every day, you choose to empower our daughters, my mom, and me, rather than centering yourself. I'm so glad that I get to travel the universe with you. Westmore, from the moment I met you, I knew you were going to be an incredible leader, but what I didn't know was that you were going to be an exceptional friend. Thank you for your friendship and trust in me. So thank you, Marilyn, for this honor. Thank you for your trust, and thank you for instilling in me the opportunity to be your next lieutenant governor. about me. It's about every one of you. Now, I have a spoiler for you all. There will be confetti shortly on the stage. Yeah? And it won't be the snow that fell on my uh, first day in the United States when I came here and I thought, you know, was welcoming me. It will welcome a new tomorrow for our state. 
It will be for our future, and I am so honored and humbled to be a part of it. There's a lot that tomorrow will bring. There's a lot that you can all do, because I hope you know that you're in this with us. We're in this together. But before I ask you for anything, thank you for everything. Thank you for being a part of this moment. Thank you for what you add to our democracy. I love you too. We need you. We need your hope. We need your dreams. We need your stories. We need your partnership. And I can promise you this, we're only just getting started. Thank you, Marilyn. Once again, thanks, Governor-elect Westmore. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City here on 88.1 WYPR. We have to take another break, but don't you go anywhere. In our last segment, listen to reaction to Governor Moore's election from some of the state's leaders, including former Governor Martin O'Malley, Senate President William Ferguson, and Prince George's County Executive Angela Alsobrooks. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City, the monthly show here on 88.1 WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. Election night in Baltimore had a number of heavy hitters from the Maryland Democratic Party. Let's listen to some of them as they look back at history being made. You'll hear from former Governor Martin O'Malley, Senator William Ferguson, President of the Senate, and Angela Alsobrooks, the Prince George's County Executive. It's tonight to get Maryland back on a path of progress, and I think he's going to be a great governor, and, and uh, all of us should uh, pray for that tonight and be grateful that, that we're able to uh, have a democracy. Obviously, having an African-American in that position puts them in a very unique vanguard. There have only been three African-American governors in the United States <laughs> who have run a, a, a state. You've been through this process. Yeah. And I know both of the other ones. <laughs> right. Tell and they're good you. people, and they were good governors. Right. What are the challenges that they face? There's many every single day. Uh, the, the big challenge right now, I think, is... Um, to uh, bring people together and restore that sort of fabric of trust and respect that seems to be so eroded in our democracy nationally and even here at home. I mean, the running a state government is a very complex corporation, but it requires a person of vision and passion and somebody that rolls up their sleeves every day and you know, goes below just the surface level to actually get things done. And I think that's the type of governor he's going to be. And I'm excited to support West Warren. Excited tonight, and I'm excited for Maryland uh, to be able to elect the first black governor in our history. Yes, is a wonderful, amazing, historic milestone. But I, but I believe that uh, he can also be a great governor. Perfect, sir, as always. Thank you for always. Governor, we are the first 
uh, Asian American to be Lieutenant Governor Clearman and all that. Put it in perspective for us. And this is a remarkably historic night that in one day uh, we are going to have in every single constitutional office someone that is breaking a ceiling that existed before. You know, I just am honored to be a part of it. I feel like I am uh, uh, being able to have a small seat alongside of history to see the representation of Maryland accurately reflect the people of Maryland and it's, an, it's diverse population. It's just a remarkable moment. I know that you've watched this process unfold over your legislative career. Will this inspire future generations? Oh, I think today is, is a transformative moment for not just those who are elected today, but for the generations that come and follow. You know, I will say tonight that the, the line that was most impactful and, and empowering was when Wes spoke to his children and said, there will never be a room that you are not allowed into or don't feel welcome into, and that every child in Maryland deserves that. That's what this night is about. It's about saying that everyone should be included, Wes's children and every child in the state of Maryland. And, and that's what I'm inspired to figure out how to do. Are you excited about this upcoming legislative session? Uh, we're going to have some great work ahead. It's, it's, a, it's a time of change, and we are going to be thoughtful and purposeful and collaborative, and I can't wait for it. Congratulations to the people of Maryland, um, who really, I think tonight, show the whole country that we have the ability to elect leaders who bring us together and who see us as one and who speak about unity and speak also about the, the fact that it is upon all of us to make sure that our families succeed, that unity is our strength. And you know what, and congratulations to Maryland for making history tonight, for having the courage um, to elect leaders for the first time, uh, a woman who's a comptroller, an African-American governor who could look past color and select leaders based on their character, their experience, and their vision for our state. Everything is possible. You know that sometimes we, it takes time to build progress, but it does in fact happen, and this means that everything is possible. If you work hard enough, everything is possible. Thanks, County Executive Angela Alsobrooks, Senate President William Ferguson, and former Governor Martin O'Malley for joining us. If you're looking for more information on the new administration, you can go to www.moremillermd.com. The inauguration of the governor and swearing-in will be held Wednesday, January the 18th, 2023, in Annapolis. Wes Moore, the former host of Future City, has a unique vision for the state of Maryland. It is thoughtful. When he takes the oath of office, it will be in a building built by enslaved people. The pain and years they endured during bondage did not deter those like Harriet Tubman nor Frederick Douglass. They believed in the future and hoped for a better day. There are statues to these famous Marylanders in the old House of Delegates chambers. If you step outside the chambers, there are portraits of the Lords of Baltimore who were given title to the state. There is one painting which shows a Lord Baltimore holding a map of the state with a young child. Next to the child is another child of African descent holding a rooster. This individual was enslaved. There is deep irony in the inclusion of this African child now that the state has elected its first African-American governor. What goes around comes around. 
We wish Wes Moore success as he takes the reins of government. Thank you to today's guests for sharing their expertise and allowing us to hear their knowledge. Future City is produced and edited by Spencer Bryant. If you want details about the inauguration, please go to the Future City page on the WYPR website. You can listen to extended conversations with all of our guests and find out more about them by visiting wypr.org. We welcome your feedback, and you can email us with your questions and thoughts about the show at futurecity, that's one word, at wypr.org. Until next time, I'm Charles Robinson for 88.1 WYPR and my producer, Spencer Bryan, and everyone who makes Future City possible. We hope your dreams of tomorrow become a reality. I'm your host, Charles Robinson. Future City is made possible by McCormick & Company. Through its Flavor for Life program, McCormick helps teach kids and families in Baltimore how to replace salt, sugar, and fat. More information can be found at mccormickcorporation.com. 